Molly Wood, author of CNET's Buzz Report. Welcome to Buzz Out Loud, the podcast of indeterminate length. I am sorry to say that Tom Merritt is once again not with us. He is on vacation in Hawaii. So feel free to send hate mail to buzz.cnet.com if you too feel that you deserve a vacation. However, I myself will be on vacation next week, but not in Hawaii. Anyway, let's jump right in. Yesterday, you may have noticed, I believe there was no podcast. And the reason for that is that Tom is in Hawaii. And I was in Santa Monica moderating a panel at a conference called Digital Hollywood. And we talked about mobile music and music on cell phones, which is interestingly timely today because um, no representatives from Apple were on the panel. There were people from Sony, Microsoft, Universal Music, all, you know, all the other big ones <laughs> who have a stake in this other than Apple. And today, Apple is saying, Steve Jobs at the Paris Expo, Apple Expo in Paris said that record labels are getting very greedy because they want to charge more for song downloads. And this is kind of an ongoing battle, which I think is really interesting. iTunes songs, as you know, are 99 cents. And record labels are now saying, well, it's been a great ride. We've loved the whole you legitimized music downloads things for us. But now we feel like we need to make more money. And Jobs is saying no, and that's going to drive people back to piracy. Another interesting thing that he said at the expo, though, was that he is skeptical about over-the-air downloads, music downloads, basically whether people will pay more to download songs to their cell phones. Very interesting because of the recent release of the rocker phone, which I think some people were disappointed about because we were hoping that it would support over-the-air downloads because that is cool <laughs> in concept. And instead, you can just transfer songs from your PC to the rocker phone. However, we do accept as consumers that if we are ever going to be able to download songs to cell phones, because there are carriers involved and there are so many different parties, instead of, say, iTunes, which just has kind of the music group, the, music, the record labels, and Apple, songs are going to cost more. It's just a reality. They're probably going to cost $2 or even $2.50. And at that point... There's no reason to download them. And yet, at this panel yesterday, it was very clear that that is the rush to market and that Sony and Microsoft and Universal Music and LoudEye and BMG are all thinking that the future is over-the-air downloads. And here's Steve Jobs, ever the industry rebel, saying, you know what? People don't want to pay more. Which, if you've been an Apple follower for years, you might think is kind of an interesting response. <laughs> <laughs> an interesting comment coming from Steve. But he probably knows all too well that people don't want to pay more since that is the one enduring criticism of Apple hardware. But he really gets it when it comes to digital music, I think. And after attending this panel yesterday, I agree. I, I don't think that consumers are going to pay more to download songs to handhelds, especially or to handhelds or cell phones, especially considering all of the other possible pitfalls that are going to come with it whether they're interoperable, whether the formats are compatible with MP3 players, whether you can even transfer them off your phone to your PC. I think there's a whole host of kind of DRM concerns that come up as soon as you start talking about it. So in this case, I go, I say, go, Steve, go. In other news this week, Google, Google Wi-Fi appears to be real. The site's um, Frequently Asked Questions page talks about secure Google Secure Access. And apparently, if you go to San Francisco's own Union Square, you will find a hotspot, a Google hotspot in Union Square that lets you get secure VPN access. So this all comes on the heels of Google still 
buying up fiber, buying up spare backbone, bandwidth. There's a whole long thing on it um, on Engadget. And brilliant Omalik has more reports that uh, say that Google has been reviewing bids basically for how to build a nationwide fiber network. (laughs) And no one really knows what's going to happen with Google's own internet, but it's pretty weird. It's It's pretty crazy to consider that a company is out there building a new internet. Like, kind of take that, Microsoft. <laughs> oh, yeah? You think you want to run the world? We're going to run the world. So we'll be, we'll be following that carefully. I, I, I almost have no uh, insightful commentary about this at all. I just think it's really crazy <laughs> and very, very ambitious. So keep an eye. If you have insights, I would love to hear them. Buzz at CNET.com. Moving on, the Opera browser is free now. Opera, the plucky little browser that wouldn't go away even though you had to pay for it. Well, you didn't have to pay for it. You could get a free version that was ad-supported and had kind of annoying banner ads. Not super annoying, but kind of annoying. And I think it was just kind of that stigma that kept people from really adopting Opera. And yet, it kept kicking even in the face of Firefox and Internet Explorer and Netscape. And now they've said, you know, hey, I bet what would really work here is if our product were also free, just like all the other ones in the marketplace. That is a winning idea. And indeed, I'm going to download it today. I feel like I'm going to be able to give it a fairer shot, a fairer evaluation. So I know that the people who use Opera are big fans. Opera, of course, the first browser to actually introduce tab browsing before Firefox ever arrived on the scene or Mozilla. So uh, I would like to know if you feel that it is actually better and just misunderstood. This is also good timing for Firefox because Symantec put out a report that says that Mozilla web browsers are actually possibly more vulnerable to attack than Internet Explorer. Dun, dun, dun. Big news. However, before you get all excited and start emailing me saying, ha ha, well, okay. I got three emails today from people saying, ha ha, you're the one that loves Firefox so much. Listen, (laughs) the report also says that hackers are still paying most of their attention to Internet Explorer. So whether it is or is not more secure is not exactly the point if everyone's just trying to break into IE. Nevertheless, it is very interesting. And we, again, will have to see. I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's new software, relatively. It's a new, newer product. They haven't had as much time to refine it as Internet Explorer. And heck, if it had been on the market for 10 or 11 years, I, I would expect it to be as secure if not 10 times more secure than IE. What really makes IE's security vulnerability so inexcusable is the fact that they have been doing this for a long time. <laughs> and they need to get it together. Finally, I have a little story to tell you, and it is a sad story. Yesterday, when I arrived at LAX, I went to get cash because I only had $40, which, as you know, if you've ever been to LA, will not get you anywhere, <laughs> not even 10 feet outside the airport. So I go to my little cash machine and I swipe my ATM card and it is demagnetized. It is unable to read my card. So I make about a million phone calls trying to get a PIN number for my credit card so I can get cash that way. But then while I'm on hold, I think, well, I guess I better try this and see if these cards work too. So then I discover that all of the cards in my wallet have been demagnetized. I don't know how it happened. I can only assume it was some sort of sunspot or someone walked by me with a magic wand and nuked my cards. But... It made me instantly realize a couple of things. One, that 
when you have to take a cab somewhere, you're weirdly dependent on cash. I think they maybe do take credit cards, but I don't know. I felt very trapped in the airport. I, it, in case you're wondering how the story ended, I took a cab to Bank of America <laughs> to get cash. The other thing it made me realize, though, is that magnetic technology is still extremely fragile. And I know, for example, that I, my Trio has a magnet in the back and has, in fact, erased BART cards, the, the subway cards. And so yet here we still are super dependent on all this magnetic technology when what, what likely happened is that my wallet was sitting on a coffee table and I set a laptop on top of it and the hard drive nuked the who knows. But MasterCard has come along today just in time. Well, if they'd come along yesterday, that would have been better to solve my problem. They are releasing RFID credit cards. They're called PayPass cards, similar to ones that are already in use in Hong Kong and Japan. And they will basically let you just wave your card at an RFID reader and pay for things. No magnetic technology, no signing, no none of the back and forth with the cashier, just RFID. Now, RFID is a technology that instantly raises a lot of people's hackles. They freak out about privacy because you're basically transmitting a signal that contains a lot of personal information, in this case, financial data, over the air. And the immediate assumption is that that's totally insecure. However, despite all these fears, I don't actually know of any instances in which an RFID signal was intercepted and or hacked. So I I personally feel like comparing this to giving some person on the phone my credit card number, it doesn't seem that scary to me. And now that I have been demagnetized and I know the horrors that can result, I'm all for it. Uh, I think... That we have a phone call today from an unnamed caller with some very interesting comments, though. Let's listen. Have you guys found a way so that you don't grow older? Well, I haven't either. And I'm not saying as well as I used to. I wish you guys would start talking about the accessibility issues with the uh, growing number of baby boomers. Uh, you know, we can't all read seven, or six or seven point print anymore on the cell phones or on the computer either. Thanks. That is a very good point, actually. A long time ago, I wrote a column about usability because there are a significant number of Americans, if not users worldwide, definitely users worldwide, who have some sort of disability, be it age or actual disability, that prevents them from full technological access. So on the web, a lot of this can be solved with sort of basic usability standards and alt tanks on images and things that should be in place all over the web and kind of aren't. (laughs) And the gadget question is actually very interesting. My mom bought a Palm, I think it was the 150 a long time ago, and she had to return it because the text was too small. But I will say, caller, that she was able to find success with a BlackBerry. So even though she doesn't see very well, that text, for whatever reason, is easier for her to see. But you bring up a good point and one that we should be aware of when we talk about products. So thank you very much. As always, if you have other phone calls, 1-800-616-CNET or email us, buzz at cnet.com. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.